All right, it's recording. Hey, this is uh, Father Son Preppers. This is John, and I'm here with my dad, Tony. Say hi, Tony. Hi. <laughs> I won't call you Tony anymore because I know that really makes you mad. Uh, so this is our second podcast. We are officially not out in iTunes or YouTube yet, but by the time people hear this, there's a good chance we'll be on iTunes or YouTube, so... I just want to throw that out there. If you guys have any questions about the episode or anything, email john at fathersonpreppers.com. And if you just go to fathersonpreppers.com, you can, you know, there's a contact us and everything. Uh, what else? Today we're going to do some prepper scenarios or bug out scenarios. And uh, what am I missing? Uh... Well, one thing, a lot of people out there are not planning on bugging out, but I really think they should have a plan in case something happens and it changes their mind. So these are, wait, these are people trying to bug in. They're trying to stay in their house, like, hunker down. But, I mean, there's always a scenario where you might not be able to stay there, you know? Fire, for one. Yeah. Whether it was natural or somebody lit something on fire. Well, not to give it away, but one of my scenarios for you today have sort of a forced bug out situation. Okay. That's the last one. I think you'll like it. It's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, is there anything you wanted to cover before the scenarios that may be different? Besides, because some of these are going to require probably di- a different bug out, bug in scenario within the scenario. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I just think, I mean, it's nice to think of being able to bug in and not go. It's a whole lot easier. But I really think that we all need a couple bug house spots just to be on the safe side. We're preparing. Yeah, yeah some caching spots to store yeah. gear. Uh, we're going to we're gonna do a, a probably one or more episodes on caching. I think it is it's essential. Especially yeah. if you live in the countryside. If you live in the countryside or a place where there's countryside around where you live, you could totally cash. As far the city would be a little harder, but I think you could still do it with a little planning. Yeah, well, I listened to one show. I forget what it was, but the guy was talking about making a deal with a friend or a, a f- not not necessarily a fellow prepper because it's hard to trust random people, but if like family members who live in a different place from you, you yeah. can store stuff there, and they can store stuff at your house, and then if anything happens, even minor stuff, you could just make a trip, one way, you know, one way or the other. Or if something happened, and one was closer than the other. Yeah, exactly, so just a kind of a, like a middle threat bug out spot, is kind of the yeah. way I saw it. So I thought that was kind of cool. Definitely. But I, I actually am excited about these scenarios. I, I wrote up some reasons why I might why I might leave or hunker down or, you know, get my guns out and be ready to shoot my neighbors and decide, you know, life or death. And I wrote scenarios based on those, so I'm actually really okay. interested to see what you <laughs> how you deal with them. Okay. So let's if there's nothing else you had to, you wanted to talk about, I'll start. Go ahead. Let's start with one. All right. So the first one is kind of a it's kind of a crazy, but just go with it. Uh, the first scenario I have is there's a nuclear detonation or a dirty bomb, <clears throat> excuse me, 
at a military base outside of your town or city. And then your situation is you're alive and there's fallout has yet to be detected. So you're you're sure there's not really any fallout just yet. But that's where you that's where you're left off. So what would you do in a town scenario like that? Well, most likely you'd probably lose TV, internet, power. So the first thing I would do is try to tell for sure where that bomb went off, whether it be a mushroom cloud or something on shortwave, radio, something. Try to figure out where that bomb went off. Find out where it went off and then look and see which way the wind's blowing. Because I have nothing to protect me from that sort of yeah. event. And most people I'm don't. prepared for it, yeah. Most people don't have lead-lined shelters or far underground so, shelters. So on that scenario, if I thought it was hit and it was coming, the fallout was coming straight towards me, then it'd definitely be a bug-out situation. Load yeah. up my stuff and head left to right of it, you know, depending on which way the wind's blowing, fastest way to get away from it, and then towards a place where I think I could hold up for a while, you know, or maybe a long while. That would probably be the way I would go about that. So the the number one thing in a in this situation would be know your surroundings, because I know where I live. At night, the wind is a different direction than during the day, generally. Yeah. And I know it's kind of weird, but it just comes off of the mountain peaks over here uh, at night. And during the day, it comes from down the valley for whatever reason. Yeah. And so that's good to know those kind of things. But yet, there's, there's still major averages, too. You know, like most of our wind in the United States usually comes from the west to the east. You know? That's, yeah. So, what is that, the jet stream or the, it's not the... It's part of the jet stream coming down from the east and uh, the north and south. But the wind usually cuts across this. Right. You know? So it might be a good idea to find out, like us, all right, what's further over there in California that'd be worth hitting? You know? And I looked at one of those once, places... That we had nuclear bomb sites or missile sites and military bases, and they were all most of them were above us, north of us. Okay. So as long and, as the well, wait, let's stayed, let's clarify that because we're in Colorado, Utah area. Yeah. So, so I'm, north. we're at the bottom part of Utah, so I'm guessing the closest things I seen was up in Salt Lake. And I'm not saying the wind couldn't blow straight from Salt Lake down to us. Well, it'd be... But there's a better chance of it cutting straight, going east, more east, and cutting away from us. Yeah, well, they have that inversion, too. Oh, yeah. So that would be kind of a... Ooh, that would be brutal to even think of uh, in Salt Lake City. There's a few places in California, too, where if the wind was blowing just right, we could get some. But hopefully, if it's coming all the way from California, maybe it's settled to the ground... And it wouldn't hit us as bad, right. you know. And then we might just have to deal with it because if you're not prepared for it and can't hunker down in a basement or something, yeah. You know. Well, I, w I know you wanted to talk about this, so let's switch over to the city scenario. 
And what I see as a problem in the city, and you're gonna, you're probably thinking the same exact thing, is that is the same thing that happened with Atlanta. What was it this winter when all the roads turned to ice in Atlanta? They never really had that, and everybody mm-hmm. freaked out. And, and they, what did the mayor do? He let everybody out of work early or something, and the highways were all clogged with people, and <laughs> and they were, you know, the, and you couldn't get anywhere because you have to be on a freeway to get out of the city in most cases i mean you can get out of the city but it's really weird so like you were i think you were what did you want to talk about with that two things about being in a city and a nuclear bomb going off even if it wasn't in your city and you're not going to get fallout from it a nuclear bomb is going to disrupt this country so bad that there could still be giant interruptions in food and power you know, power going off and on, but food transportation, food comes from all different directions. Okay. So, even in a small town, you got to be prepared for not having basic stuff. In a big city, naturally people might want to panic and think, well, their city might be next, and they want to get out of that city. Right. Which causes a panic mode, and you get the same traffic problems. Yeah, and you can't get out with your car. And I mean, there's just no you way. Just, you just can't get out. So you're going to have to be in shape with a backpack and try to walk yourself out if that's what you're wanting to do is get out, you know? Yeah. And another thing that's just popped up that just seems a lot better, for maybe for city folks, is pedal bikes. You can get around the traffic, and right. you can make little trailers behind them, like the little kitty trailers, you can just buy them. Yeah. Pack stuff into and you can load up a bike with 200 pounds and walk beside it. And walk yourself right on out. What yeah. everybody else is bumper to bumper and traffic jams. Well, I want to add two things to that. Uh, you're right, exactly right, because there's no way you're getting out with a car. In a big city like where I lived yeah. in Jacksonville, Florida, or Atlanta, or Denver, or maybe Denver's a little different because you can get out on a lot of side roads. But, I mean, those side roads in Jacksonville, Florida... They go to nowhere. They go to they go to forest. So you end up if you want to go into the forest, that's good. But if you're trying to get to another place, the really the only way to do it, like you said with pedal bikes, if I had a pedal bike, if that was my strategy, my strategy would also be to have a pistol on me. Because there's going to be crazy oh, people on the freeway, and in the city there just seems to be a thousand more crazy people for every person. I think guns need to be with you if you plan on keeping any of your stuff. Right. That bike might be loaded down, but if you don't have a way of protecting it, the first big guy is going to take it from you. Right. And and I was also thinking like a dirt bike or like an enduro. Definitely. I'm not saying it's a long-term thing, but you could get really far on a tank of gas, and you can also strap gas onto it, and you can have it on hand. Oh, yeah. So, a couple five-gallon containers of gas on a motorcycle with a full tank even pull a little trailer of some sort, you know, you could go a very long ways out of the city. <laughs> Definitely. And you could even, I mean, you could even have a passenger if yeah. you had to, and if you got good at it. And uh, I I could see a husband and wife combo or somebody or, you know, a small family, even two parents, two kids, you know, uh, one parent, one kid on a bike and one parent, one kid on another bike. If you've been practicing with them and, Driving them around, driving them to work, you you'll yeah. be ready. Yeah, and figure out the 
demolish roads out of that city. Right. Because the freeway is going to be packed to the brim. And you get on some overpasses or something, you could still get kind of stuck between the cars and the people. Yeah, you could. So you could you pick out a smaller road that has less stuff on the edges. Because you could ride that bike along the edge. Definitely. You know? But you can't get stuck on an overpass or something. So you, you yeah. plan out your city, take some rides and look around. Yeah, and you know, sometimes there are strange back roads, like uh, I know in Jacksonville, you could get, you could ride on, on back roads or on smaller city roads almost all the way out of town and then use the very, very, very last exit to jump on the freeway and, and go as far as you want. And that yeah, would, definitely. you'd save a lot of crazies. I mean, you'd be a, you'd be because the crazies are going to be the people that are stuck on the freeway and freaking out. Yeah. Oh, and, and you're dying of thirst or whatever. Yeah. I seen something today that was crazy on the internet. Pedal bikes to go on a railroad track. There's a pedal bike, and they built frames off the pedal bike over to the other rail that somehow hooked to it. They were all different. Whoa. All you did was pedal. You didn't really even steer. Whoa. And, and it goes down the railroad tracks. And railroad tracks are usually fairly level, easy pedaling, and they're all over the country. Wow, especially you know? out out east. I mean, you, if and even if you had to hop off the track, I wonder if they're if you could carry them, like how light they are. Uh, aluminum pipe coming yeah. off your bike, and they're usually aluminum bikes. You just make them the way they bolt it on. Wow, we may have to put. Let me let me write that down. I'll put a link to that. Where if I can figure it out. Keep in mind, everybody, we're still new yeah. at this. If I can I figure out. I some pictures of that today, and I thought, man, what a way to travel. What I'll do is, if I can't figure out the show notes, what I'll do is I'll just write a little article on it on the blog or on the, the and, website. And we'll get some pictures out there. Yeah, and I'll just sne- steal some pictures from the website and uh, put a link and you guys can check it out. Because traveling on a railroad, you know, I mean, yeah, for a while there's still going to be some trains moving. Yeah. But when the trucks quit hauling food, there won't be trains hauling stuff either. Unless it is military or government stuff moving, and that's possible. But then it looks like it takes two seconds just to jump off your bike, move it off the tracks, let the train go by. Yeah, I mean, you could jump it, up, jump off your bike, huck it into the woods, and run into the woods and just sit down and and just rest while the train goes by. Yeah. Hmm, that's cool. You know, I will put a, that on, the, on our website. It just seems like a wonderful idea. You know, I know people have thought about traveling on railroad tracks, but this would be able to travel even faster and packing some weight. You can blow it up your bike. That's awesome. And when you and you can walk along a railroad track too, because it's going to have bridges, it's going to have the necessary things. But I think down the road, uh, people are going to be guarding the bridges and things like that. It, well, that can happen anywhere. Yeah, true. But at least with the bike set up, you could put some weight on it, you know, and go. Yeah. Well, I think we got that one down. So, the, I mean, you'd want to be away from people. This is kind of the theme, though. Away from people and away from any kind of fallout. Yeah. So what, what about this? If you're upwind or, say, you know there's no fallout coming but people are freaking out... 
if you've got food storage in your house or your your place is pretty secure, you could bug in. I mean, you could stay there. Okay. In a city environment, yeah, you could. Let the crazies go out there and fight it out on the highways and packed roads. But sooner or later, there's still going to be a lot of people there, stuck there. And there's going to be a lot of hungry people, crazy people. Yeah. You know? And they're going to start going from room to room, store to store, building to building, looking for stuff. And sooner or later, they're going to find you, you know? Yeah, I could see and that. you're going to have to protect yourself, you know? And depending on how many people it is, you know, it's still a scary scenario, you know? Okay. And talking about cities are going to be the worst because it's really, it's going to get, it's going to turn medieval. When there is going right. to be people starting to eat people and stuff, so... And then when you do try to bug out, you're going to be faced with people who are laying in wait for you who have survived yeah. the the craziness, who are probably a lot more capable than the others you may have faced. Yes. Okay, that's what I'm and thinking, And they're going to see you as a major target, you know? Yeah. With whatever you're packing with you, you know? And you move out at night or something, it's just a... Cities are a bad scenario. So in my eyes, pick out the best time you think, preferably towards the beginning, and get the heck out. Yeah. Have another plan. A family or somebody in a smaller town you can get to. Okay. We did that. We did good on that one. That was a good one. The, the next ones are more interesting, I think, because they're more kind of realistic. Anyway, the second one scares the crap out of me. It just scares me to death. And that's uh, an Ebola outbreak. And this and this is the scenario I want to give. There's around 50 cases in two major cities in the U.S. And, and uh, you're not infected and you're not in one of those cities. So you have to really think about it. Um, you know, it's say, say like New York and L.A., because those are some big international hubs. Or more like Atlanta and L.A. Because those are two huge international hubs. And, you know, that's where I'm assuming it's going to happen first. Yeah. So say you're in, we'll just throw out Denver. What are you going to do when they come on the news and they say 50 people in Atlanta are dead from Ebola? I'm, su I'm assuming they'll know about it first. So you'll see one person yeah. is infected in Atlanta. And I don't mean well, in the CDC center. I mean, like, this guy at his house has it. Yeah. The first thing I'd do, even though they say it's not an airborne thing, would be to go to a drugstore or something, try to find some masks and maybe some surgical gloves. Gloves I usually try to keep on hand anyway. But the masks, get some masks. Any food that you're still buying from the store, vegetables, stuff like that, wash your stuff ten times more than you ever even thought of to make sure that there's nothing on this stuff, you know? Okay. Try to sterilize things, keep things as clean as you can in your house, and then cut back on going to restaurants, fast food places, you know? Try to do most of your stuff, canned food. Man, at that, ca at that point, I am fruit. not going anywhere. I am not touching anything. 
I might go to the wilderness. Actually, where I live, it doesn't matter. I live in a really, really small town in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But, I, I mean, if you're in a city, this is the case where you want to have a crap load of bug-in supplies. So you want to have food storage, you want to have water storage. Yeah, because, yeah, the more time you're in a store around a lot of people, the more chances you've got of picking up something and taking it home to your family. Right. In fact, if at this point, I wouldn't even be going to the store. You know, and if we're all prepared right, a year's worth of food or something, then I wouldn't. And then if it's still, if it's a breakout, just keep progressing, then it's time to start thinking about the bug out and going to a, a smaller town or right. a cabin in the hills or yeah. Taking your motor home and going out into the country for a while and listening to it on the radio. <laughs> That's hard to do. Sometimes you can't leave your job. You know? You can't afford to leave your job until the last second if you knew something was going to happen. Yeah. So, so it might even be good to have savings. Yeah. Definitely nice to have a little bit of savings. And then you vacation can... time. You can call in and say that you might have the Ebola, so you're going to stay home today. <laughs> <laughs> you're instantly fired, yeah. I might have the Ebola. Can I get some damn time off? <laughs> but in a city with that many people, 50 people having it, you know, it could be a very slow-spreading thing, you know. You take off and leave your job and take off, and then it doesn't happen. You know, you've lost your job, you've used up a lot of your emergency supplies. Right. You know, so with that, man, it's, it's a big major decision on something like that, on what to do and when to do it. Yeah. And I guess the more money you have, or if you have a business that's running itself, so you've got other people taking care of it, that you could take off. And go to some place, some lake somewhere, and kick back on a houseboat. You know? Yeah, but that's not really. I mean, no, none of us have that. So most of our listeners probably don't have their own houseboat on a big lake. Yeah, but you could always. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm actually literally scared of this happening right now. This it's starting to really bother me. This Ebola thing, and I'm really I'm probably gonna go get. Some more food storage. I'm going to get some stuff that I eat anyway. So I'm going to get, like, lots of sardines. I eat sardines at work. Yeah. I'm going to get the, uh, I like the ones in hot sauce. Even though they don't last as many years as the ones in oil, I know I'll eat them. So I know I can keep my food fresh. Yeah, you and turn them over your food storage. That, and I'll probably get some canned, a lot of canned vegetables and fruit, because I know I'll just, I know I'll eat that. Yeah. Just in case. And then if that way, if it does start getting crazy, I can just go and buy up all the crap I can around here. And I know that even if I fail, even if everyone makes a run on the store, I'll still have some to survive for a while. Yeah. And I don't know. we got to figure That's something out. That's another scenario why I'm not set up for at all. That would be a hard one because you wouldn't even know where it was coming from. You don't have a direction. It's not like a straightforward fight. Yeah, it's people. I mean, it's other people. Yeah. Or monkeys. <laughs> yeah. 
It could be, yeah, that scenario is just, that'd be a hard one to do. You just do everything you could to keep clean and keep your visiting people to a minimum. Yeah, and I've heard that, um, I heard that if you use antibacterial soap, it still works on, a, it, even though it's a virus, or like the, uh, not the soap, but the alcohol, like the, what do they call that, where you just, you just pump a little bit of alcohol gel on your hands and rub it? What is that called? Like a sanitizer, like a hand sanitizer. Yeah. I've heard that stuff works to help kill the Ebola too. Yeah. And then it said that you have to be, if you're in good shape physically and your immune system's in good shape, that you'll have a much better chance too. Yeah. So. And like that, you get a, a thing full of grapes from a store, you know. Dump some hydrogen peroxide over it. You know, clean that food up really good. Rinse it off good. Because most of this stuff nowadays, this fresh stuff, comes from other countries. Right. You know. So you've really got to be careful with it. Yeah. So well, when you get home... Throw the containers away, get them back outside as fast as you can, clean up the fruit, your hands, you know, Clorox wipes, the counters, you know, all really good before that goes into your fridge, goes out to your family, you know. Did you know, I, I, this is kind of off topic, but I was listening to uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's science podcast, and he was talking about, he was talking to an astronaut, and they were talking about astronaut food. And they were saying that astronaut food, if it's sealed, if they seal it up, and then they they bombard it with X-rays, yeah, like they make the and that what they do is they just kill off every living thing that's on the food. The food will stay good for like twenty years, like it doesn't ever break down. It's weird, I, and you know I can't give you the exact years, but it was some ridiculous amount. Never heard that one. Like you could just take a wet slab of meat and bombard it. And, you know, I don't know exactly how it works, but they were saying it's it's insane because it kills all the bacteria. And, I, you know, I don't think the average person could do that, but I just thought it was kind of cool to throw in there. Yeah, I have to research that one. Okay, so we hit the Ebola. You think we did good on that even though we didn't really... So the, a good strategy know. would be to bug in, let everyone else die. Yeah. And if then, anybody has some good ideas on that one, yeah. Yeah, that's a good. If, if you yeah, if you guys have any good ideas, we can do uh, a follow up episode and just read people's comments. Yeah. That is great. So yeah, email me at john uh, john at fathersonpreppers dot com. That would be awesome. I would totally love that. Okay, next scenario. You ready? Alright, this one is kind of weird. I wasn't sure. I wrote down two things. I wrote down an EMP blast and or an invasion. And I put them together because if someone's going to make a bomb that works like an EMP that covers a wide area, it's going to be really advanced, in my opinion. But they say that... Was it China? Korea, somebody has already made some. Right. And then I heard it would take like three over the United States to completely hit us all. 
I don't know if I believe that. That's I mean, think about it. It's got to make a magnetic field well, that that messes up the electrical circuits. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, from what I've heard, a regular atomic bomb does it. Um, I did hear something about that. I don't. Well, we'll have to research that. That's a good one. We'll we'll do an episode on the EMP because I need to do some research. I don't want to give people the wrong idea. But so let's do I, this. Let oh, yeah. go ahead. No, I just heard that a regular bomb, atomic bomb, does it already. So if you set it off in the air, you're going to disrupt uh, and mess up a lot of things. Right. I, I know that they've those... been able to. Go ahead. They've just been able to pick out what the bomb is doing to mess up the electronics and then just push it that, that direction. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I know a lot of the computers nowadays are kind of getting away from... Uh, well, let's just not even talk about it, because I can't give you an exact... I don't want to tell people the wrong information and have them hate me for it. So, <laughs> let's just do this. Let's go back to the scenario. We will do a show on an EMP, because I want to know about it. We'll do a combination EMP nuclear dirty bomb episode. It'll be cool. But let's do this one. Let's Okay, so there's an EMP blast or invasion in your city. And why I said that, because I'm assuming that an EMP bomb would have to be dropped over a city for it to work right. That's just what I'm assuming here, because I didn't actually know. It's so, up in the air, yeah. Yeah, so I'm guessing somewhere up in the air. So there's an EMP blast slash invasion. Your city or town is under attack. You're unhurt, and you're unnoticed, which I thought was important. What do you do in a small town, and then what do you do in a big city? Well, in my thoughts, an EMP blast, anybody that would do that to us wouldn't turn around and invade us right after. Because if they took out our power and most of our electronics, we'd wipe out each other. We'd wipe out half the country... Just falling apart on their own. They wouldn't have to fire a bullet. That's a good point. So that's basically the end of the scenario right there. They could come in a year later and we'd have used up all of our resources, all of our bullets shooting at each other, you know, and pretty much walk in. That's one of my worst nightmares is an EMP attack. Well, there's going to be. Some, I mean, I know that the people listening to this are are going to be like, "Oh hell, right there. There's no way they're coming in my town without a fight." I can just hear people across the United States yelling that all the preppers. Um, and that's my that, thing. That one Japanese guy during World War Two said that something about there's no sense putting invasion on their property because everybody has guns. It'd be a gun behind every bush. Right. You know, they knew then, in World War Two that attacking us on our own soil is hard to do. Pearl Harbor, they got us from the air and took off, you know. That's true. But attacking us on our soil... An invasion, a land invasion. ...would be so hard, even, you know, within a couple countries together going against us. You know, the Americans wouldn't lay down. It would be, they would fight and lose most of the people <laughs> trying to do it. Yeah. To where and there wouldn't be much left of either country. 
Yeah, and I don't it's just see crazy. that happening. I I would I it would piss me off so much that I would just fight. I wouldn't even bother. I mean, unless it was just I had to strategically leave to come back a different way. I w- I wouldn't leave. I would just start fighting. Yeah. But I know there's a lot of us that would do that, but uh I completely but a lot of people I lost my train of thought. But a lot of people don't like this country. And an EMP attack on us, we would not be the head honcho on the block or the big bully on the block. We wouldn't be even on the block. We would be on the outskirts of the city, you know. We would be an afterthought to the rest of the world. Yeah. Because we would go back a hundred years. We'd be a third world country. And we would peter out to nothing. You know, I I don't think that. I think that it would be temporary. Because I don't see... Here's why I think that. I don't see... Uh, like, I, I don't see a bomb in the air. And I'm not, I don't know everything. I'm not a bomb expert. I don't see a bomb in the air damaging physical circuits on the ground. Like, physical electronic circuits. I see them damaging maybe memory... So like your the old style hard drive. Well, actually, the majority of hard drives are still magnetic, which yeah. could definitely destroy a lot. But I mean, our cars, our older cars would still run. Our guns would still shoot. Yes, in a sense. But they had uh, a solar flare, which is the same as an EMP. Way back, I don't know. I mean, look this up too. The forty, fifty, some. Way back, maybe even earlier than that. And it was just a solar flare from the sun. And it was so powerful, there was like energy balls going down the few power lines we did have. Okay. So our electrical grid would go down. And the transformers on the poles, it would take them 50 years to replace them all if they had them in stock. And they weren't damaged. Right. It would. It would take forever. It, would, it probably wouldn't even happen. So, without power, it doesn't matter what else you have. Even if you still had a whole bunch of technology. Let me know? ask you this. If they had that, if they have the ability to shoot a, a bomb or something over American soil, couldn't they just shoot, like, tomahawks at certain key points on our grid? Because I actually... I want to just disclose this. I work at a power plant, so you know I have kind of a little bit of an insight. And I happen to know that if someone did that to, if there was an invading force and they hit a few key points on our grid, most of the country would be done. There'd be no power. Yeah. And most of the big plants can't start up on their own. My my plant alone takes a significant amount of power to start up to before it creates power. That's true, but it's not killing us all the way. You know, we've still got power, we've still got places to be able to rebuild things, you know, and get things online. Well, we and need yeah, to do... there would be some blacked out parts, but it'd be hard, I think, for them to take out enough that we couldn't keep rebuilding, you know? Well, I'm going to... And... I, I think we should do a show on the grid, because I've got a lot of information that people might like. On that. Okay. 
Just I wrote it down just because I mean we can't really go into it now because our show would be like four hours long. <laughs> well, I've heard that our grid is already it's old and really vulnerable, but but the EMP takes it right down to the power pole in my backyard with the transformer on it. You know. Yeah. Well, it doesn't we'll... just take out power plants; it takes out the whole infrastructure. Right, and then it wouldn't matter, yeah, you're right. And people nowadays aren't, they aren't all good. You know, like we have, like World War Two, everybody pitches in and to the war effort, you know. All of our factories turn into things to make machinery for war, you know, for tanks, for planes. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, we pull ourselves together. We don't have any infrastructure to start with. And then without power, we're just a... We would literally tear ourselves apart until we had just little beanie towns all over our country starting over like it was 100 years from now. Yeah, and then it would be easy to invade us. You know, they could, yeah, walk in and take us out a town at a time instead of a, a city. And I heard our military is only covered partially from EMPs. Hmm. So not even all of our military equipment. Like the Hummer driving down the road, I don't think is protected from an EMP, you know? Yeah, definitely not the new ones. I don't know that for sure. It'd be nice if we had some emails from some military people. Well, I know for sure that there is shielding on some of the stuff, because when I worked in the military... Uh, I did a lot of wire chasing and a lot of electronics, and I know for a fact that the computer parts are shielded and grounded, but the wires themselves that go between the components are not necessarily shielded from anything. So when we do the EMP show, uh, the EMP episode or whatever, we will get into that, because I'm interested in the background of it. I've never actually learned how a bomb would work with an EMP, you know what I mean? I couldn't say for sure either. So, All I know yeah. is the scenario scares me to death. Yeah, so we need to do more research before we can get into it too much, I think. I don't want to give anybody okay. the wrong information. Okay. But we will. That, In fact, that'll be our next show. Okay. And that's what, we'll do that one in a week, or whenever my next days off are in a couple of days. We'll do, or whenever your next days off are. Okay. <laughs> but let's let's move on. we got one one left, and this is kind of one I think you wanted to talk about, too. So basically, two of these scenarios we failed at, you and I, personally. Well, let's hear it. Okay. The last one is, basically, there's a natural disaster. So an earthquake or a flood that causes chaos overnight, and people are freaking out. So you woke up, sirens are going off, it's maybe early, early morning, you can hear honking and there's crap going on all over, you're, un- you're unhurt, and your house is damaged or your living quarters are seriously damaged, what do you do? That's crazy, because California just had an earthquake this morning. I know, and that and maybe that prompted <laughs> me to write it. I don't know. Uh, well, they said the first thing to do is turn off your gas. And you got a big crescent ranch, you start going to your neighbor's house, up and down your block, turning off everybody's gas. First thing you do, right? You, you, 
Either or not, you need to make sure that there's no gas leaks. So get the gas turned off. You know, if you have damaged structures, yeah, you shouldn't be in them because there's going to be aftershocks. Get out of your damaged places. Okay, let me ask you this. Are you going to leave your family in your broken house while you go to your neighbors and turn off all their gas lines? Uh, yeah. Probably would. Well, you're, in your neighborhood, you would because you know all your neighbors. But if yeah, you lived in an apartment building in, say, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Denver, blah, 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 you probably wouldn't. Uh, no, but like an apartment complex, then you'd be heading for the your superintendent. Okay. Make sure he is getting that gas turned off to the whole apartment complex, you know. And then I wouldn't want to stick around inside apartment complex, you know, multi-levels. Yeah. Anyway, waiting for the aftershocks. Well, I'm just going to throw the, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. With the, when I lived with uh, my wife, Michelle, in Jacksonville, we uh, we lived in an apartment building that had small studio apartments, and there was no landlord or superintendent on site. It was like 14 small units that just had locking, the main building had locking doors, and there was no, nobody there. So yeah. I guess what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking of what you said, is run outside to the gas line, the main gas line, try to shut it off. If you can't, then egress, then get the hell out. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Most gas lines and gas valves stuff are just outside in the back or the side. Pretty easy to find. But on an apartment complex, there might be some kind of lock on it or even just a little cable tie of some sort. You should be able to break, though, to get, get it off there. But, yeah, you're not going to get in trouble after an earthquake to shut off the gas line. So get that gas line shut off, and then get to an open area, you know, okay. in your car and go to the park or something, uh, if it's nearby, just for the aftershocks. Yeah. Don't well, try to get on the freeways and head out. Yeah, because you're, well, first of all, they're in the air, most of them. Yeah. Well, most of the intersections are in the air, which isn't going to help you, but they're going to be clogged. I mean, in the city, they're going to be full of people. Yeah. So this might be another good case for your bike or your your motorbikes if you're if you're actually going to try to leave the city. Leave the city, or you're trying to get around the city to get to other relatives. Okay. To check on them. Okay, so a like a would be really good. Like your medium bug out zone. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, or, and that kind of gets back down to another thing I wanted to get to come to is communications some of these shortwave radios CB radios a CB will go a long ways if your buddy is five miles across the city depending on skyscrapers or bigger buildings you could get on your CB you know hook to a 12 volt battery out of your motorcycle and talk to him and make sure they're okay you right. know yeah Pretty easy. Because who knows uh, what the cell phone towers are going to be doing. They'll be busy. They'll be blocked up. Yeah. Because everybody's trying to call in, call out, call somebody there. Which boils down to a few other things, you know. An $80 CB radio, you know, $70 12-volt motorcycle battery and a little solar panel. And you could get in contact with a lot of people in a city. Or friends and relatives, 
Yeah, so you're saying so you're saying your motorcycle could have saddlebags on it and just throw a fold up solar panel in one and a radio in one and you could just wire it all up to your battery when you get to safety. Well yeah. That's great. You I... go to the hills and you just have alligator clamps to clamp onto your battery and do some talking. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't even think about that, that you could do that. Park your bike on a hill just in case you talk too long and run your battery down. You can coast down the hill and throw it in gear and start it up that way. Charge your battery battery back up, you know. <laughs> but that CB radios have gotten really cheap. Some of these Bofang shortwave radios, you know, 50, 60 bucks. Shortwave radio, you know. We should do a show on that, too. I'm writing these down. Don't worry. We do, too. I, I'd like to have a whole bunch of people email us something on that because well, we can do... I don't have a whole lot of information on it myself. I'd like to learn more. Right. I'm with you there. Um, we could probably find some, do the research on them, and then throw them up in the, on the website <clears throat> Excuse me, for people to, to buy if they wanted to get that. So we'll throw, we could throw up like an Amazon link or something for people so that they know what, you know, and we'll look at it and see what's compatible, what's going to be exactly 12 volt, what kind of power yeah. it's going to draw, how much you're going to get on your solar panel. So maybe, maybe, uh, you could even just charge it with your bike on if, I mean, until your bike runs out of gas and then you can just pack the battery, the solar panel and the radio with you. Yeah. It's really an yeah. awesome idea. I love a motorcycle battery is not very heavy. Solar panel is not very heavy, you know. And you get up into some high country, holy moly, you can go a long ways with a CB radio. Yeah, well, we'll get into we'll do a show on that because that's awesome. We're gonna do the EMP show next, then we'll do the radio show because those are awesome. I could totally get into that. Sounds good. Um, what's left? Do we do we talk about everything? We talked about quite a bit. I don't have a timer. I guess we're done. Okay. I uh, this has been awesome. I think we should do what uh, what we should do is every once in a while just have a scenario show. And I well, I like scenarios better than anything else anyway. Well, and did you like these? Because I just threw them together. I don't really know. I mean, maybe more specific would be better. Mm-hmm. Because it was kind of generic. Well, that takes more studying. I'd like. I'd like people to write in, uh, to email us, and tell us kind of their their situation. So, like, what state their bug-out bag is in, what state their their home uh, base is set up in, and then maybe we could give them some advice or some throw some scenarios at them mm-hmm. on an episode and say, you know, this is where your weak link is. Maybe you should do this, this, and this. And just the opposite. If you're an expert in the field of communication, maybe you can give us some advice. Yeah, well, I mean, we can call people. I mean, we could put people on the show and have them as guests. If there's somebody that wants to talk about radios, even somebody that owns a radio store, you know, that wants to come on and, and they can make a plug for their store and, and give us a bunch of good information for people. Definitely. I'm totally on and board the, with that. And the price ranges, so these people have an idea. Yeah. What we can afford, what we can, because I need some communications desperately. Yeah, uh, we, we could do, we'll throw that in there. We'll, maybe what I'll do 
is do the legwork and try to get someone. Okay. And try to find a few of these radio shops or like ham radio shops, CB shops, and see if there's someone there that's really good that I could call and get on the show. Wonderful. Okay, so let's let's end it here. Let me do my my uh, housekeeping. Um, so if you guys are listening on iTunes or Stitcher, if you like the show, please give us a good comment. It helps a lot because more people, the more people we get in here, the more intelligence we're going to bring in, and the more I don't know how do you, how would you say it? The more knowledge. Yeah, the more knowledge we can, we can bring around. together. Yeah, because we're trying to build a community. That's what this is about. Because if we're all working together, we're a much stronger we're much stronger as a unit, I think. And hopefully we can come up with ideas for each other. So when we are getting prepared, we're getting prepared the right way. Yeah, and I'd like to open a show with people's prepping scenarios and just throw out a, a you know, a person could anonymously, because we're not going to give your name out or anything, maybe first name, and then you could say what you've got set up, and we can kind of give some advice depending on, you know, what your surroundings are and stuff. Okay. But this is also going to go out on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe to our channel. If you want to know where our YouTube channel is, go to the website, fathersonpreppers.com, and just help us out there. We don't, you know, we're not looking for donations. We're just looking for to build a big community and then maybe later on have some ads. But that's not a big deal. We want to build a big community of people to work with us and obviously dad you need a new mic so maybe we'll put that on the agenda <laughs> okay but anyway yeah so that's it uh thanks for listening